Good morning. Welcome to All People's Church. We're coming to you today from Cedar City, Utah. The topic today is in search of discipleship, and we will begin to search the scriptures and see what the Bible has to say about discipleship. It's one of my favorite subjects, along with prayer. It's one of those subjects like salvation that you cannot overstudy it. The more you know about it, the better you are. And so this morning, my first question to start the study today is how to define discipleship. And those of you that have been sitting under our teaching, uh, mine and Denise's, mine in particular, you know that I regularly talk about discipleship. And I sometimes ask that same question. And today I think we can define it a little better, and that's the point of uh, this whole study, is to learn the subject better. I know that you as a listener, wherever you are, you may have some ideas about discipleship. And the thing that I'm going to try to do today is to sharpen your knowledge, your, your understanding of discipleship, not necessarily to totally revamp it, but let's, like salvation, let's take the subject of discipleship and let's learn some more about it. How to define discipleship. I think there are three parts. In its simplest form, discipleship equals teaching. Other synonyms are mentoring and apprenticeship. So if you're interested in three terms that I think, three synonyms that will help your understanding of discipleship, I would suggest teaching, mentoring, and apprenticeship. You'll notice that in our society, discipleship, the word is never used in popular culture. And I think primarily it's not because discipleship is a, you know, there's nothing wrong with the term, but it's so associated with Christianity that you're never going to hear discipleship in an academic setting or in a business setting. It's always normally going to be in a church setting. And because of that, it's really up to us in the church to decide what it means. And so how are we going to do that? So my idea is let's go back and look at the one who talked about discipleship, who instituted discipleship as we know it. Let's talk about those three words, though, before we go any further. The first one is teaching. Teaching involves the transfer of knowledge. My idea about that is teacher to pupil. I also think of it as blackboard theory. You have the teacher, he's standing at the board, and he is, he's either writing out the equations or the chemical formulas or diagramming the sentences or whatever the teacher's teaching, but it's really mostly a one-way conversation most of the time. And so the teacher is giving out information to the pupil. So that's one aspect of discipleship. Let's talk about mentoring. Mentoring involves the transfer of wisdom. And why do I say that? Because mentoring also means teaching. But in the idea of mentoring, it's a, it's a two-way conversation that happens over time. Would everyone agree with that when you think about mentoring? Mentoring is, is not like the classroom situation. Mentoring is more like two people, an older person usually, or someone that has more knowledge about a particular subject, and that person is then working with the other person, and, and they're sharing. They're sharing with that other person. They're mentoring them, and hearing them talk back, and then, and then talking some more. So they're discussing this until the person that is being mentored understands it. Let's talk about apprenticeship. I saw a lot of apprenticeship where I was at over this week. I went to the Northern Nevada Railroad 
I don't know if it was association or, or what, but Northern Nevada Railroad, which is located in Ely, and it's a short line railroad, which was shut down, I think, in the 80s. But it was shut down in such a way that all of the rolling stock and all of the, all of the office stuff, their papers, their files, everything was left intact. And now a nonprofit runs the railroad. But the way that they do it is they have a lot of volunteers. And so you can imagine if you're going to have volunteers come in and to help run a railroad, you've got to apprentice them. Somebody's got to take them and show them how to do the job. So apprenticeship involves transfer of skill. And so the three things that I'm thinking about is in teaching is blackboard theory. Mentoring is how and where to apply the theory. And then apprenticeship is how to implement the theory. So today we're talking about discipleship and of course we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ. I'm certain that in any study of discipleship you would want to know how the master implemented those three ideas, those three ways of discussing discipleship. Now before we go any further, <laughs> I always like to ask questions. If I was little Johnny sitting in the back of the classroom, his hand might go up and I might say, teacher, whose idea was this discipleship thing? <laughs> Especially if I didn't like it. Or if especially if I thought it was a bad idea, I would be back there going, whose idea was this? I've done that a couple times, and it's really got me in trouble, by the way. It's not, it's not a good thing to do, especially at work. But whose idea was this? And so let's, let's look at some scriptures, and let's see. If you guys will help me this morning, when we read these scriptures, let's use the question, whose idea was this? So, Clint, when you're there, would you begin to read? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of, age, end of the age. Amen. The first person that implemented discipleship was Jesus. Not only did he do it, but now he's telling his disciples to do it. And Clint, I think it said, the first thing it says in that scripture, it says, go, right? go. The second thing it says is disciple or teach. Again, you can use these words interchangeably, I think, a little bit, but the word discipleship is sort of comprehends all three of those other synonyms. But it says go disciple all nations, which is really weird too. If you want to meditate on that for a minute, think about that. He said he didn't talk about discipling just people or even just single people groups, but he says, disciple nations. You know, his, his plan was like, compl let's completely overspread the earth with Christianity. And then baptize them, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. The second one is uh, Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized, he will be saved. But he who does not believe, he will be condemned. In Mark 16, 15, you're going to notice that all of these scriptures that I'm talking about today are at the end of the Gospels. They're at the end of Christ's discipleship of these guys. And now he's giving them instructions, of course. And again, what does it say? It says, go. 
That's the first instruction he gave to him was go. The second one was, and this one's a little different, but I think it encompasses the idea of the first scripture. He says, preach to what? All creatures. <laughs> Isn't that weird that he would say it like that in, in this script or this uh, writer put it like that? But again, I think the whole notion there for me is go to everyone, anywhere from the North Pole to the South Pole, all the way around the equator, go to everyone. There's no one that's off limits. All creatures. Preach to all creatures. I'm not going to be preaching to the livestock or anything, but, but I am going to preach to all men. And then, of course, he talks about believing and baptizing, and he says, you know, that's the goal of discipleship is so that as we disciples go and preach, we want to make converts and we want to baptize them. And then Luke 24, 47 and 48. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Okay, now this one is a little bit different and you're going to have to sort of put your mind in gear for this one, I think. Let's go to the end of that. And he says to them in verse 48, he says, you are witnesses. So I think he's, he's putting some focus on them instead of in the others where he said, go teach and go and preach. In this one, he says, you're witnesses. So what to me that implies as witnesses, you need to tell your story. You need to tell what you've learned. You need to tell what you've experienced. So again, he is talking about discipleship. He's saying, look, you're my witnesses, so you need to go and tell what you know. He says in those two verses, he uses interesting words. He says repentance is one of the words he uses. Remissions of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. And do you see that again? Among all nations. It's three different ways it's described in three different verses. All nations, all creatures, and then, well, the, and then this one's the same way as the first one, excuse me. Two times it's the same way. All nations. And then John 20, 21. For Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. John's a little bit different book than the first three, okay? But John's includes his first-person narrative. And he says, Jesus spoke to them, and Jesus said to them. Jesus said to them. He appeared to them, and he said this to them. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. It's all about sending. It's all about witnessing. It's all about teaching. He had spent three years pouring into these guys. He taught them the theory. You say, well, Jerry, how did he teach them the theory? I'll tell you how. He went into the Old Testament, and he went through the prophetic scriptures. He's basically saying, look, I am the fulfillment of this, but you need to understand that it was planned. God had a plan. He had a theory. <laughs> I'm the implementation of that theory. So he taught them. Do you agree that he mentored them? Do you agree that he spent time with them? Three years, mostly night and day, right? There's only a, recorded a couple times where he sent them out only for short periods of time. So he spent a lot of time with them. He ate with them. 
They went through Jesus' ministry together. He used them to help him do things during the ministry. He explained to them what he wanted done, and he showed them how to do it. So I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but he taught them and he mentored them. And then the third thing was that he apprenticed them. And the way that he apprenticed them, I think, is, again, I, I sort of alluded to it before, is that during those years of ministry, he modeled how to do things. He showed them how to mix and mingle with people at parties, right? He preached many places, many times. He showed them how to preach. And then one of the third things, which I think is something that I'm still really delving into deeply, I'm trying to really understand it, was he showed them how to heal. Everywhere he went, pretty much, especially in the first year, it appears, he did lots of healings. And so they were apprenticed in the sense that they got to see the master doing the job. They got to see him preach. Don't you think that would be awesome to see Jesus preach? <laughs> the master. They were able to sit with the master and hear him preach and tell parables. One of the great things I think about Jesus is that he was a witness for himself. I always think about the woman at the well. He spoke to the woman, he used the word of knowledge and spoke to her and was really stirring up her world. She knew something was going on. She knew this guy knew too much. And he witnessed about himself. He said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask for living water. They weren't there for this conversation, but how many of you know that Jesus talked to people all the time? So they got to see Jesus in action. They were apprenticed. The answer to my first question is, whose idea was this? And because it's found in four different Gospels, very specifically in three, but I think in the fourth one you can see that John, he, he completely understood what Jesus was talking about. So it was in four Gospels. It's repeated very specifically in three. And so I think we can conclude that this was the Master's idea. Discipleship talked about much in the Christian circles? No. It's not, and it really boggles my mind. There's a lot of teaching, right? There's the elements of discipleship occur in almost every church, and usually on almost every Sunday. But the actual defining of discipleship doesn't occur. There's teaching in the churches, there's mentoring, and there's apprenticeship. That should be occurring, some churches more than others. Sometimes the pastor does everything, which is, is really counterproductive. It's really important to get the whole church moving forward in discipleship. Now let's look at another question. How did Jesus disciple? Let's look at Jesus' ministry and let's go to Matthew 4.17. Let's do it again. Clint, would you go to Matthew 4.17? And Daryl, Matthew 4.18. And Twyla, would you go to Matthew 4.23? This has got all the elements of how I like to teach. I like to stay in one book if I can, and all of this comes from Matthew, so it's really convenient. Let's talk about Jesus' ministry, how it begins. Would you read 417, Clint? From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. From that time. This is talking about Jesus' ministry at the very beginning. 
we're talking about discipleship, but Jesus is going to model how to do ministry, basically, and also how to, how to live an overcoming Christian life. In that scripture that Clint just read, it says, Jesus' ministry begins with what? Teaching. Daryl, would you read 418? And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So Jesus is in the particular part of the Middle East, I'll put it like that, but this part is toward the north and it's along the seacoast. And that's where Jesus begins to teach. And as he's teaching in that environment, in those days and weeks, Jesus is walking along the seashore. He starts calling disciples. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So the first thing that we learn about Jesus is that he taught. Then the second thing he did was he looked for disciples. Third thing, Twyla, would you turn to 423? And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Let's take that scripture, Twyla. There's three things in there I want us to look at. So the first thing is Jesus taught. Remember what my thinking was is when you talk about teaching, it has a lot to do with the idea of theory. Jesus is teaching. He's the professor at the blackboard, and he's drawing the schematic, teaching the crowd in the synagogue. You know, God's up here. We're down here. I can just see it in my mind. He's saying, you know what, guys? There's a... We're separated by sin. I'm not saying he said it like that. I'm just saying to me, he's the master teacher, and so he's teaching. So that's the first thing Jesus did was he did teaching, which talks about knowledge and theory, okay? He taught. Then the second thing was he preached. To me, preaching has to do with mentoring. It's like putting out wisdom. It's taking the teaching, but then it's applying it through wisdom. And preaching, to me, also has the connotation of picking your time and place. It's part of that whole idea of wisdom. Jesus is preaching to a particular crowd in a particular place, and he's using examples maybe from the seashore or from fishing or from carpentry. If he's near a vineyard, he might have used the symbology of the the vines and all of that kind of stuff but Jesus was an incredible preacher so he's preaching the word so that probably included the prophetic that he would weave into it and he would say like that time he did at the synagogue he read from Isaiah and then he said this has come to pass in your hearing today so he applied all of the knowledge that he had but now he is preaching the word. He is espousing the word in a very powerful and strong way, which to me includes the idea of wisdom. If you're going to preach, you need to be wise. And then the third thing is, was he healed? To me, again, that's the whole idea of apprenticeship. He's the master laborer. He's the master in every aspect of ministry. Would you read the scripture again, Twilight? And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, 
and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Healing, healing, all kinds of stuff he's healing. And so his disciples, even if it weren't the whole group of disciples at this point, even if it was just the beginnings of his group of disciples, they got to see him work. He's like the guy that's been doing, you, you can put inside this idea any job you want, but let's just say a master carpenter. And he's taking these guys to work with him, and he says, look, I want to show you how to put a roof on. <laughs> this is how you do it. He's showing them, and one of the things that is so important to Christianity is healing, and we just don't see much of it today, right? So I think that's one of the things that we as, if we consider ourselves disciples, we really need to work on understanding healing, what is our part in it, what is God's part, what part does the Word and knowledge of the Word have? What part does the Holy Spirit play in it? So there's a whole lot to be known about healing, and there's not much teaching about healing. I want to learn more myself, so I'm in the middle of trying to decipher some of that stuff. So today, whose idea was it? <laughs> well, it was Christ Jesus' idea. Discipleship was his idea. And I can say it was the Father's idea because Jesus said, I don't do anything except what he tells me to do or what I've seen him do. So we could say if we want to run it all the way up the flagpole, all the way up to the top of the food chain here, we could probably say discipleship is God's idea. The second question I had was, is it really required? I guess that's the question that I would bring to, to our group. Is discipleship required? Three of the four Gospels are ending with Jesus saying, look, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and teach. I want you to go and witness. He says, I want you to teach them all of the things that I have taught you. And all the things I've told you to observe, I want you to teach them to observe these same things. If Jesus is the author of this, is it required of us? Is it required of us today? Would you think about that this week and meditate upon it? And as you're going through the scriptures and reading the gospels or whatever you do for your own spiritual enrichment, would you keep these ideas somewhere in your mind? The third question, which is sort of related to the second, is does this apply to me? This message has been brought to you by All People's Church of Arizona. We are a virtual church headquartered in Flagstaff, Arizona. If you have found this audio message to be useful and you would like to join us for our Sunday service, please find the Zoom link on our website at apcofaz.org. Our service starts at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you would like to know more about eternal life through Jesus, continue to listen for more information. The basics of salvation or reconciliation with God the Father can be summarized in three statements. First, you must understand that we are all spiritually dead, that is, separated from God, and cannot be reconciled to Him on our own. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and have no means to atone for our sins. We have no remedy. Our good works, nor any other trait, 
no matter how admirable or sufficient or acceptable. Salvation is a free gift to all people through the grace of God alone. This gift of salvation was foretold in Isaiah 53, 6. It says concerning the Christ, the anointed one, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Salvation is a free gift to all people. No works are accepted as payment. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 makes this exceedingly clear. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Second, you must believe in your heart that Jesus is the one sent by God. The Bible says in John 20, 31, But these are written, speaking of the signs that Jesus did during his earthly ministry, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The sacrifice of Jesus was God's plan for salvation for all humanity. God alone designed it, foretold it, and carried it out. Our only part in this plan is whether or not we will believe it and accept it. Third, confess with your mouth. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, it is written that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Essentially, this is very simple. It means you must pronounce your faith to God in prayer. There is no right prayer. Prayer is conversation, so say to God what is really in your heart. Many sample prayers include affirmative statements concerning the three points above, such as this one, which can be used as a guide. Father in heaven, I have sinned against you. I have hurt other people and I've hurt myself. I believe you sent Jesus to suffer and die for my sins. I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Please give me strength as I submit to Jesus as my Lord and help me to love and live as a follower of Jesus should. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Finally, go to church on Sunday to strengthen your faith. Accepting Christ Jesus as your Savior is the first step, but the journey of faith is a long one. There is much to learn, and you will need friends to help. We would love for you to attend All People's Church and become part of our fellowship. As noted above, it is easy as clicking on the Zoom link found at apcofaz.org. You can also contact me, Brother Jerry, by email at apcofarizona at protonmail.com concerning any questions you may have or to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. My prayers are with you, and I hope to hear from you this week.